welcome to the You on the Camino podcast for and about first-time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain with your host, guide, and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. This is Nancy, and in this episode, we are going to return to the planning roadmap. If you remember from episode two, the next step in the roadmap, after doing some research, talking to people, and going for a walk, is to spend some time thinking about what you want. We are going to take the next step with that question by exploring when is the best time for you to walk the Camino. When people ask, when is the best time to walk the Camino? What are they really asking? When is the best weather? When is it least crowded? When can I be certain to find food and a place to sleep? Yes, yes, and yes. And at least as important is the question of when is the best or right time for you to walk the Camino? given your reasons for walking and what's going on in your life. That's why I think this question deserves more than just a discussion of weather patterns in Spain and Portugal. The first thing I do when I'm considering walking the Camino is break out my calendar. I look at everything on there, upcoming birthdays, holidays, family events. I look at what work commitments I have coming or what volunteer gigs I have. I look at any vacation plans that are already on there, and I also look at things I don't want to miss out on. With all of those things, when can I get away to walk the Camino? And who do I need to talk to if I want to be away for an important event or day? Sometimes the answers come easily. In March 2022, I found myself completely uncommitted. I had just finished a three-year term on a board of trustees, and my elderly dad had passed away three days before that. I was my dad's caregiver, so I was also then unemployed, and I had exactly no one and nothing requiring my presence. So I booked a two-month trip to Spain, and I took a long walk to grieve and to honor my dad's life and to look towards the future. If something significant has recently changed in your life and you're feeling called to walk the Camino, is now a good time for you to just go? Who would you need to talk to to answer that question? What can you easily reschedule? And what would take some heavy negotiating? If you're planning ahead for your Camino, what does your calendar look like? When are there open stretches of time when you can get away? Do you need to request time off from work? Do you need to arrange for childcare? Or do you have pets that will need to be cared for while you're away? What needs to be rearranged? How much time do you feel you will need to get ready? Before I go any further, let me say this. You don't really have to spend much time thinking about when you'll go. If you're ready to go, Go, please go. But just in case you'd like to think through what would be an ideal time for you, 
I'll share some things that I think about each time I return to the Camino. And remember my standard disclaimer, as you listen to this episode, take what works for you and leave the rest behind. Let me do a little flashback. In episode two, we talked about why people walk the Camino. I shared with you that people walk the Camino for many reasons, including, for example, because they're seeking things like a long walk with God, a grand adventure, or a chance to reset or recalibrate after some difficult times. People walk hoping to discover or rediscover their deepest desires and their truest values, which they may have lost track of. Often people are looking just for a break from the daily routines at home. Others are looking for a physical challenge, a bit of a workout or a walkabout. And others are longing to represent one of the dozens of countries gathered around the dinner table as pilgrims come together each day on the way. There are as many reasons for walking the Camino as there are people walking it. So I'll mention a few more reasons I've seen over the years. I've met people who are walking the Camino to commemorate big events, accomplishments, and milestones in their lives, such as a graduation or an anniversary or a big birthday, even retirement. I've met people who are walking after something unexpected happened, like the end of a relationship or a job layoff, or like me, the death of a loved one whether that was expected or unexpected. Like I did, they walked the Camino as a way to heal their hearts or to sort out what's next. And I've met plenty of people who simply are looking to explore and enjoy Spain, to enjoy the culture and the architecture, the food and the wine and the festivals. What is it for you? Why do you want to walk the Camino? Have you spent any time thinking about it? Is it none of the above for you or all of the above reasons? Regardless of your reasons for walking the Camino, regardless of what might be calling you, you may already have a picture in your mind of what it will be like for you to do the Camino. Let's start here. When you imagine yourself on the Camino, what weather are you imagining? To talk about the weather on the Camino, we first have to look at what you will be doing and where you'll be doing it. You know, the walking outside part. I'm going to use the Camino Frances route as an example, but you can assume that this applies in concept to just about any route. If you're walking the Camino Frances from Saint-Jean-Puy-du-Port, France to Santiago de Compostela, you will be on the trail outside in the elements for as many as six to eight hours a day for as long as four to six weeks or more. You'll be traversing about 500 miles, which is about 800 kilometers, through numerous microclimates. That means that you're likely to encounter a variety of weather conditions during your walk. Think about that. That much time and that many microclimates. I'll give you some details. The Camino Frances crosses three mountain passes, and it takes you through more than 110 miles, which is about 180 kilometers, of high plains. 
With all of that, you'll be changing elevation many times, from as low as 1,000 feet above sea level to as high as 5,000 feet. In meters, that would be from 350 to 1,500 meters. All of these variables makes the question of when would I have the best weather very hard to answer. At any time, you might have overcast skies or blue skies with sunshine and puffy white clouds. You could have rain or hail or snow or wind, and you could have temperatures from as low as freezing all the way up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 35 degrees Celsius. The most important thing then is not so much what the weather will be like, but rather if you will be ready for whatever weather you might get. Still, we can generalize and select a season that will most likely give us the weather we want. Mother Nature is ultimately in charge on this one, but let me give you a glimpse of what you might expect seasonally on the Camino. Oh, and just to clarify, when I talk about seasons, they aren't the hard and fast seasons you would read about in a scientific publication or learn about as a kid in school that start and end on specific calendar dates. Instead, I'm going to define periods that have similar weather patterns. I will be truly generalizing and putting this into pilgrim terms. I'll start with my favorite season in northern Spain. Spring-like weather which comes roughly from April through mid-June, will likely bring some rain, which will bring mud. You may have some snow on the mountain passes, especially in April and early May. You can certainly expect some overcast skies, but also many days of brilliant, not-too-hot sunshine. You'll be walking through a landscape of unlimited shades of green and seeing an off-the-chart selection of wildflowers. Summer weather comes from about mid-June through mid-September, and you can expect some very hot days, lots of sunshine, and dry conditions. But wait, you could also get thunderstorms in the summer months. The Pyrenees Mountains and the province of Galicia will still have a rich green palette, but the rest of the Camino Frances will have a palette of browns. Fall-like weather can be expected from mid-September through mid-November when you'll have cooler temperatures and some rain. The days will be getting shorter, the palette will still be brown, and blackberries will be ripe along the trail. It will be harvest time in the wine-growing region, so the vines will be heavy with grapes, and some towns will have festivals on to celebrate the season. Winter weather is generally mid-November through late March, and it brings what you might expect, cold, short days. Rain is likely and snow is possible, especially in the higher elevations, but you still may get sunny days, minus the warmth of the other seasons. Remember, these are generalizations. It's important to keep that in mind because you may be on the Camino for several weeks, changing elevations and microclimates many times. Weather is changeable, and in recent years, we've seen what could be called unseasonable weather. For example, in May and June 2022, we had two heat waves with July caliber temperatures. If you're not ready for that, it could be deadly. 
Another example, in early May 2022, a friend of mine got diverted in the Pyrenees Mountains coming out of Saint-Jean because of a snowstorm. I've also heard of pilgrims walking for two solid weeks in the pouring rain, and others who had an entire month of perfect, sunshiny, not-too-hot, not-too-cold days. In other words, you just don't know what you're going to get. As I said before, these weather generalizations are based on my experience on the Camino Frances. I would expect similar weather patterns along the other routes with variations based on if you're walking along the coast or drastically further south, say on the Via de la Plata route coming from Sevilla. I like to use a weather app to check the forecast when I'm in Spain. You may want to download a weather app to your phone if you don't already have one, so you can watch the weather on your chosen route from afar before you go. The next consideration for when to walk the Camino is when services are available along the trail. By services, I'm referring to accommodations, food, and transportation. Many pilgrims prefer to stay in the albergues or hostels along the way. Albergues typically open for what I'll call the season, the weekend of Easter, and stay open until mid to late October. There are exceptions to that, of course, as some open earlier and some stay open later in the year. And outside of the main season, you can expect that at least one albergue will be open and available year-round in all but the smallest towns. In the off-season months, you may have to call ahead or find someone to open the facility when you get there, which I think has its own charm. For those not staying in albergues, you can expect to find hotels, pensions, and casa rurales, which are rural homes, that are open most of the year. Some may close up around major holidays like Christmas, New Year's, and Three Kings Day, which is January 6. So if you're planning to walk in the months from November to March, you will want to check ahead about availability. Now let's talk about food. Food is readily available year-round in shops, bars, and restaurants, although the choices may be limited outside of that season I mentioned in the smaller towns and villages. The pandemic changed the landscape some, and many places haven't reopened, but keep in mind that the local people need to eat too. So if you go where they go and shop where they shop, you'll certainly find what you need in terms of food. As for transportation, trains and buses run year-round, so you'll be able to get to your starting point on your chosen route and back to your departure city from where you finish whenever you choose to walk. I will mention that there may be limited services on weekends and national holidays year-round. And some options do slow down outside the main walking season. For example, the bus from Pamplona to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port may not be running outside of the main season. So if you're starting from Saint-Jean from November through March, coming through Pamplona, you'll need to take a taxi for that stretch. The other option is to approach Saint-Jean from inside France rather than from within Spain. 
But don't worry, that can be easily achieved by simply flying into Paris or Bayonne instead of flying into Madrid or Barcelona. One other consideration for those starting in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port is that in those winter months, November through March, the high road, which is called the Napoleon Route, is closed due to snow and other dangerous weather conditions. If you're walking from Saint-Jean during the winter months, you'll need to take what's called the low road through Carlos, which is in the valley. For those walking routes other than the Camino Frances, transportation options will be fairly straightforward from your airport arrival city to your starting point. I'll put my favorite websites for these ground transportation options in the notes for this episode. Our next consideration is crowds, or when it's most busy on the Camino. As you might have already guessed, better weather brings more pilgrims to the trail. That means that May and September get very busy at many of the main starting points along each of the Camino routes. This is especially true in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port on the Francaise route. Based on statistics from the Pilgrim's Office in Saint-Jean, the busiest times to start the Camino there are the weekend of Easter, the first three weeks of May, and the first two weeks of September. In general, in Saint-Jean, the first week and weekend of any month are busier than the other weeks. Why is that? Well, I have a theory. The popular guidebooks pace out the Camino Frances at 31 to 33 days of walking, so many people might think of the journey as taking a month. I surmise that they naturally think to start the walk at the beginning of their chosen month, making that first week busier than the others. It's just a theory, but it seems to make sense to me. I've also noticed that weekends are busier than weekdays in Saint-Jean. That could be because based on a work or travel schedule, it may be easier to get to the starting point on or just before a weekend. If your schedule is flexible within your preferred season to walk, you may want to consider starting your walk on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday instead of Friday through Sunday. You may also benefit by waiting to start until the second week of the month in which you're walking. In the case of Saint-Jean, when I say busy, that means that all accommodations sell out and it can become difficult to find a place to stay. Pilgrims are all headed in the same direction leaving Saint-Jean and that means that the two popular first day stopping points will be full that's Refuge, Orson, and Albertsborda, which are located about a two and a half to four hour walk from Saint-Jean, depending on your pace, of course. Then the first stop inside Spain, which is Roncesvalles, also sells out, and Dubiri, a day's walk further, fills up early as well. Many people who have already walked the Camino will tell you that one of their favorite parts of walking the Camino was being able to walk until they felt tired and then stop to find a bed at the closest albergue or a room at the next hostal. No reservations, no planning ahead. This works at some times and in some parts of the Camino, but for this first stretch from Saint-Jean to Thubiri, 
I highly recommend making advance reservations before you leave home, especially if you're walking during those busy times in May, September, and at Easter. Well, that's what happens at what's referred to as the beginning of the Camino Frances. Statistics aren't as readily available for the other starting points along that route, but you can probably expect a noticeable increase in the number of pilgrims walking out of the major cities on the weekends and holidays. That would be Pamplona, Burgos, León, Ponferrada, and Saria. Now let's talk about what happens at the other end, in Santiago de Compostela, where all Camino routes meet and finish. Regardless of where they started, regardless of which route pilgrims walk, all roads bring them to Santiago. If we looked at the statistics from the pilgrim's office in Santiago de Compostela, we would conclude that the busiest times on the Camino are July, August, and September. This is when the largest number of pilgrims arrive into Santiago and request the Compostela. The Compostela, by the way, is the certificate issued by the church in Santiago that acknowledges that a pilgrim has walked at least the final 100 kilometers or cycled at least the final 200 kilometers into Santiago and has completed the pilgrimage for religious or spiritual reasons or at least in an attitude of seeking. Because the minimum distance required to receive that Compostela is 100 kilometers, that means that the busiest part of the Camino is the final 100 kilometers into Santiago. The most common starting point for the final 100K on the Camino Frances is Saria, which is located approximately 115 walking kilometers from Santiago. This part, by the way, is busy throughout the entire season, from Easter through October, and it's especially busy in July and August when Europeans and school groups take their summer holidays. For pilgrims who start in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port or other cities along the Camino Frances, the stretch from Saria to Santiago can feel a bit overwhelming. The towns and the trail can feel actually crowded, and it may be more difficult to find beds or rooms on this stretch without reserving in advance. The best weather, the services you need, avoiding the biggest crowds, how do we pull that all together into a plan? Let's spend some time looking at your personal preferences and how your reasons for walking the Camino might influence when you go. As I said in episode two, take your time with this. You may want to grab a notebook and jot down your thoughts. I hope you will enjoy exploring what you want and imagining your time on the Camino. Here's some questions for you to consider while you do that. What is calling you to walk the Camino? Would you need to walk at a particular time or in a particular season to satisfy your reasons for walking? For example, if you're hoping to meet a lot of pilgrims from around the world, you might not want to walk in the winter when there aren't many pilgrims on the trail. On the other hand, if you're looking for solitude for contemplation, you may want to avoid the busier months of May and September starting in Saint-Jean and July and August starting in Saria. As another example, 
If your Camino will be focused on enjoying the culture of Spain or Portugal, are there festivals or holidays that you definitely want to include in your Camino plans? Number two, to what extent does the weather matter to you? Does springtime make your heart sing and your spirit soar like it does for me? Is fall weather heaven on earth for you? Do you love the heat? Would you be right at home in the sweaty days of summer? I love the long days of summer when it's light out until 10 at night, but walking in the heat, that can be torturous for me. Maybe you too. Would you love getting up early and starting to walk at dawn? As you need to do when the summer temperatures are forecast into the 90s? That's 30 degrees Celsius and higher. What if it means having to walk for an hour or two before that first cup of coffee? If either of those are a hard no, maybe walking in the summer months isn't for you. Does walking in the cold and rain sound like fun? Or at least not not fun? If you'll be walking in the winter months, you'll need to carry more and warmer clothes, which will add weight to your backpack. And many of the luggage transport companies don't operate in the winter, so you'll definitely be carrying your pack the entire way. Does that fit with your Camino vision? By the way, if you're thinking of walking in winter, I would like to suggest to you the book by American pilgrim Anne Bourne. It's called Buen Camino, Tips from a Winter Pilgrim. I'll put the link for the book in the notes for this episode. How about the crowds? Are you good with reserving your beds or room in advance, either before you leave home or a few days ahead while on the trail? Or is it important to you to have the freedom of walking until tired and only then stopping for the night? That can't always be done in the busier months of May and September starting in Saint-Jean or July through September on the stretch from Saria to Santiago. Is your reason for walking the Camino one that will require lots of solitude and quiet time? That may mean you'll need to go before the crowds start or after they're done. In that case, how do you feel about walking in inclement weather? Number four, who do you need to talk to about your plans in order to choose your start and end dates? Who will be impacted by you being gone? What will you miss while you're gone? And what arrangements need to be made for those events or commitments? And here's an interesting question. Who might want to go with you? I've got a whole episode on that for you coming up soon. Number five, let me not forget this final question. Do you have enough money on hand now to travel to and walk the Camino? Or will you need some time to save up or raise money for the trip? Money may influence when you can go. In a future episode, I'll share with you what it costs to walk the Camino and how I approach budgeting. So don't worry if you aren't able to answer the money question just yet. I'll summarize all this for now. When you walk the Camino will be determined by when it fits into your life, when things are happening on the way that you want to see or participate in, by your preferred weather season, and by your ability to pay for your Camino experience. 
By now, I hope you have an idea of how to map this out for yourself, or at least to begin to ask yourself the right questions to see and feel what's the right when for you. Our next roadmap episode will explore the question of how long does it take to walk the Camino? You may have guessed by now that I won't be giving you the answer to that question. Instead, I'll give you some things to think about, some ways to approach the question so you can find the answer that's right for you. Now let's go to this episode's top tip, and that is start thinking in kilometers if you aren't already. And to take that further, I'm going to suggest you figure out how fast you walk and what is a natural, comfortable pace for you when walking 10 to 15 miles or 20 to 25 kilometers a day. On the first day of my first Camino walk in 2005, I met a woman who was walking the Camino for the second or third time, and she gave me the best advice to start thinking in kilometers. As an American, (laughs) I didn't think that was possible, or if possible, it certainly wouldn't be easy. But she helped me out by telling me that for her, a pace of four kilometers an hour was perfect, comfortable, not too fast, not too slow. So I tried it out, and it turns out that was a good pace for me too. What I liked about knowing my pace in kilometers was that it helped me to easily plan my days in a country where distances are measured in kilometers. Once I knew my pace of four kilometers an hour, and I figured out that the perfect day for me was about five hours of walking plus breaks, then I knew that I could cover about 20 kilometers a day. Four kilometers an hour times five hours, 20 kilometers. How do you figure out your pace? If you don't have one of those fancy devices that measures that kind of thing, you can just time yourself walking a set distance. For example, time yourself walking a pre-measured mile or a pre-measured kilometer. Then divide 60, the number of minutes in an hour, by the number of minutes you walked to determine your miles or kilometers per hour. It takes me 15 minutes to walk a kilometer, so I know it takes me an hour to walk four. If I were to do that in miles, I might take 25 minutes to walk a mile, which is about two and a half miles per hour. I'm not much of a math person though, so I like it super simple. And I like that with kilometers, it's more likely that I'll be able to work in whole numbers, like four kilometers instead of two and a half miles. You'll need to know your pace and how many kilometers you want to walk in a day for the next episode on the Camino Planning Roadmap when we talk about how long it takes to walk the Camino. So have a nice walk. And I'll be back soon with more things for you to think about as you design the Camino experience that's perfect for you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please click on the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss an episode of the Camino Planning Roadmap and our conversations with other pilgrims getting ready to walk the Camino, just like you. Bye for now.